Amen. He's brought us out of Egypt and He's going to take us to the promised land one day soon and very soon. We know that the best is yet to come when you know Jesus. Well, one of the things that we know about January, it's a new month. It's a new year. It's new beginnings. And people make more promises, more resolutions, and anything else during January than any other time of year. It's just kind of a natural thing, the closing of the old and the ringing in of the new. And one thing I know, I haven't been going nearly as much lately, but when I get back to Planet Fitness, I can promise you, January and February, it is packed out. Come March, you got the whole place to yourself because people don't follow through with those resolutions. But it's been, it's been a great first 10 months for us. This will be our first full year. 2023 will be the first full year for Transformation Church. And of course, we launched February 26th officially as a church. Life is filled with new beginnings. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, you're born. That's a new beginning. I guess maybe you get your first tooth. That's a new beginning. When babies start to talk, our grandson Wyatt's been going to speech therapy. He got tubes in his ears and he's finally talking. You know, he's just... It's a whole new world. It's a new beginning for him and for us. When, you go, when he goes to kindergarten, that'll be a new beginning. When you go to high school, that's a new beginning. For most people, you know, 98% of people who come to Jesus do so before the age of middle school these days. That's certainly a new beginning unlike any other. If you choose to go off to college or join the military, that's a brand new beginning. And let's not forget, back up a little bit, that first love. That's a brand new beginning. And when you find your bride and you think you know her and you get married and, or your husband for you and you think you know somebody, you don't really until you get married and say, I do. That's a brand new beginning. And things are rocking along great and then God blesses you with that first child and that's a brand new beginning. I tell people all the time, I've been in ministry for years and I thought I understood the love of God, but really not until I held my firstborn. My only begotten son. When I looked at that little baby boy, who I couldn't dare pick up, now he'd give me a hernia, he's bigger than I am. But when I looked, he was, he was 913 even then, but I could pick him up at 913, I couldn't do it now. When I looked at him, and I thought, God loved us so much, he gave up his only begotten son. I'm not giving up John Michael for all the people in the world, but that's how much God loved us. Your first job, you graduate from college, you get married, all of those are new beginnings. And for some of us, we've moved and gone different places. Those are brand new beginnings. You know, I remember when, when my grandmother, my mama died, it was my last grandparent. And I told my wife, I said, our lives will never be the same. Our lives were centered around my mama and our life has been different. We know we'll see her again. And then you live long enough and some of us have lost parents. That's a new beginning that none of us ever want to have. And then our kids, they go off to college. We dreaded that with a passion. We love our kids. We love doing life with our kids. We had fun together as a family. We thought, what is going to happen when they go off to college? And you know what we learned? It's dadgum awesome. It's just the way God meant for it to be. It started out with the two of us, and God brings it back to the two of us. And we still love our kids, but it's God's plan. That was a new beginning when the kids went off to college. And the kids get married. That's a new beginning in a different kind of relationship because somebody else is the most important one to them now instead of their parents. And then some of us in this room know, like one of the greatest blessings besides salvation and being married, of course, is grandchildren. Nothing like those grandkids. You get the picture for the dogs last night. When you think it's over, I gave up and so did you. I thought there's no way we're going to do this. You know, it's not over till it's over. You know, we had those two minutes and Stetson took us down the field and we scored. 
That was a new beginning. It breathed some life. But I also had sense enough to remember not too long ago that other quarterback, Ohio State, scored in what, like less than a minute. So certainly they were capable of doing it, and dadgum, they did it. And so I'm let down all over again. And then the kicker misses a field goal. That's a new beginning. They were printing the T-shirts, Ohio State, winner of the Beach Bowl. They're printing the T-shirts and that. Stop the presses. It's a new beginning. Life is filled with new beginnings. Life is filled with new beginnings, so the scriptures are filled with new beginnings. The first verse of the Bible, in the beginning God created. In the beginning God created. That was the new beginning of all creation. A little Hadley who was here the last time we met had a question for me. She said, who created God? Her mama said she'd ask me, but I want her to ask you, nobody creates God. He's the preexistent one, but how do we wrap our minds around that? And how do you explain that to a little six or seven-year-old little girl? In the beginning, God created. New beginnings in Scripture. When God told Abraham and Sarah they were advanced in years, they'd never had children. They thought the time had come, and they said... Okay, now you're going to have a little baby. That was a new beginning late in life for them. They entered parenthood later in life. And so then when God told Abraham, you're going to have a new beginning, get up and leave, and I want you to go and establish a new nation. And he had to do that. Remember when the Pharaoh issued the edict that all the baby boys had to be killed? And so Moses' parents said, "Mm -mm, we believe in the sanctity of human life. All life is precious from conception until natural death. So they defied the edict and they put the baby in the basket and they put him in the river and he was found by the, the prince of Egypt's daughter. That was a new beginning for Moses. And then when God said, I want you, in spite of your stuttering, I'll put Aaron with you. I want you to go to the Pharaoh and you're going to tell him, let my people go. That was a new beginning. We just sang about that when he led them into the promised land. And then when God told Noah, build a big old giant boat in the middle of nowhere, that was a new beginning. He probably, if you study all of Scripture, he probably would be listed at his time as one of the craziest men in the whole Bible. Because he said it's going to rain and cover the whole earth. Well, what is rain? It had never rained before. Rain, that was a new beginning. It was raining for the first time. And then when God destroyed the whole earth and everybody in it except for Noah and his family, and when he said disembark and get off the boat after all that time, they were literally the only family on planet earth. That was a new beginning for planet earth. And then when Saul of Tarsus met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he was radically transformed, that was a new beginning. When they crucified Jesus, buried him in a barred tomb, and he rose again three days later, that was the greatest new beginning of all times. And because of that new beginning, you and I can have a new beginning in our life. So for, uh, for Pastor Matt and I, when God said, resign your last church and a steady income and walk away with no income and no severance and trust me to do something new in the East Hall Community Center, that was a new beginning for us. Come February 26th when we launch, that's going to be an official new beginning for us. And, you know, I, I encourage you, if you didn't watch it, you know, Second Baptist Church is our mother church, our sponsoring church, Second Baptist in Warner Robins, where Julie and I served for 19 years. They recently had their 75th anniversary. And if you didn't see the video, I posted the video on Facebook. They interviewed some of the living charter members of Second Baptist Church who were children then and still alive. And, you know, Warner Robins was a nothing town. Warner Robins grew up around the war because of the Air Force Base. There wasn't even a town there. And so when that church launched a tiny little group of people, I got so excited thinking, that's us. 
If the Lord Jesus doesn't come back with this new beginning of Transformation Church, what will the next 75 years look like? That church now meets in a 2,200-seat auditorium. They're sponsoring churches like ours. They have missionaries serving around the world. In just 75 short years, that was a beginning for Second Baptist, and it parallels their 75th anniversary, almost the brand-new beginning for us. What will our God do? When Saul got his new beginning on the road to Damascus... And they changed his name to Paul. He wrote several letters, really most of the New Testament. Think about that. You know, Moses was a murderer. And he wrote more of the Old Testament than anybody else. Saul was a terrorist and a murderer. He wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else. God used him drastically. And while he was in prison, he wrote what we know as the prison, prison epistles. In Ephesians chapter 5 is one of those. Take your copy of God's Word and turn to Ephesians chapter 5 as we think about new beginnings. Paul wrote this letter from prison around AD 60 or 61. And up until now, the book of Ephesians talks about really the core. What exactly does it mean to be a Christian? How is our life supposed to be different when we've met Jesus, when we have that new beginning? And so he talks about in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. Let's stand and give honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. Ephesians 5, we'll start in verse 15. And your translation may say, therefore... Mine says, so, that refers to the previous verses. And in the previous verses, he's been talking about issues of the heart, of idolatry, of immorality, and all those things. And he's saying, guard your heart. And then here we are in verse 15 as we think about new beginnings. If we want to have a great new beginning in 2023, he says, so, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Singing out loud, and that song in our heart both. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I'm so thankful for new beginnings. I'm so thankful for the greatest new beginning when you reached down your nail-scarred hand and you rescued a nobody like me. You forgave me of all my sins and you put the hope of eternity in my heart. You gave me purpose for living. You gave me peace and a joy unspeakable. Thank you for that new beginning. But Lord, as Pastor Matt reminded us earlier, every day is a new beginning. Every hour is a new beginning. Lord, help us to heed these words from the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus that are inspired by your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts even today to make us more like your son Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. We thank you in advance for how you're going to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, you can be seated. We said January is kind of a, a natural time for us, although every day is a new beginning. But January is that time people make these grand goals, and how many of us live up to those? It's difficult to live up to those. And so some people attempt new beginnings in different ways, through making resolutions that we know we're not going to keep, Maybe it's changing a job. You think, okay, this is, my, this is my new beginning. It's getting a new job. Maybe taking on an extra job for income. Some people start a new beginning when they have pain in their heart that they can't fix. There's no human remedy for my sin. Only Jesus can do that. But people turn to alcohol. People turn to drugs. People turn to food. We turn to extramarital relationships. People turn to all these things to mask that pain, thinking that's going to give them a new beginning. 
buying new things, buying more and more and hoarding. and do, None of that's going to fulfill. All that can be a new beginning, but only Jesus gives us the new beginning that we, that we need and we want in our life. In fact, he says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. All the old junk, the sins of the past, all of that has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That verse doesn't have the word transformed in it, but it's kind of one of the theme verses of our church. We believe the gospel of Jesus Christ can transform anybody and everybody regardless of our past. He'll make you that new creation. But Jesus is the only one who can do that. New beginnings don't happen instantly apart from Jesus. God could just deliver us. If you're dealing with an addiction, if you're dealing with a stronghold, if you're dealing with unforgiveness or bitterness, God could just deliver us from that. But more times than not, it's a process. And it's in that process, it's in that hard work when we dig deep and our faith grows stronger and we learn to trust in Jesus, we learn to trust in God. Through it all, Andre Crouch, the Andre Crouch song said, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus, I've learned to trust in God. And he said, if I'd never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. So all the problems of my life, they've only served to remind me that we serve a faithful Father. And Hebrew says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's get to the text. From Ephesians 5, how do you have new beginnings in this new year? Number one, God wants us to be careful. Write that down. God wants us to be careful. Verse 15 says, so be careful how you live. Your translation, King James says, walk circumspectly. I don't know that I've ever used that word in a sentence. We don't use that word much in modern English, but that word circumspectly in the original language, it really means to be an awareness. You're aware of everything all around you. It's like you got your head on a stick. You swivel your head. You're aware of your surroundings. We're aware of the fact that people are watching us. We claim the name of Jesus. When we claim the name of Jesus, we automatically got a target on our back by the devil. I messaged somebody earlier this morning, another pastor friend asked me, you know, Happy New Year, have a great Sunday. I said, well, the tire is flat on the trailer, so we don't have our sound system. We don't have our nursery stuff. The tire's flat. We got people out, we got people having surgery. The devil's not happy. It's going to be a great Sunday today. When the devil's not happy, we know it's going to be a great Sunday. But God says, be careful because people are watching us. You know, it's easy to praise the Lord on the mountaintop. It's easy to praise the Lord in revival. Easy to praise the Lord when your team just had a miracle last minute victory. It's easy to praise the Lord in times like that. But when it's difficult and I realize people are watching me, I walk circumspectly. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. How do you get wisdom? The Word of God right there. That's where we get true wisdom. Live like those who are wise. And if I'm going to live like that, i got to be in the Word of God every day. I say all the time, it's the most important thing I do every day of my life is to read the Word of God. The most important appointment I had today, as honored as I am to get to preach for you today, the most important appointment has already happened at my house early this morning, just me and the Lord in my personal quiet time. That's where wisdom comes from. And he says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. When he wrote that, is there any way the Apostle Paul could have envisioned the world that we live in today? This evil generation that we kill unborn children. We say that anybody can marry whoever they want to. Anybody can do all kinds of godless stuff. And not only can they do that, we have to accept it. And if we preach against it, then we're racist, homophone bigots. We're intolerable. All these bad things they call us. I don't know that Paul could have envisioned these evil days that we're living in. 
So he says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And I appreciate Adele and Brent gave me a book, Right People, Right Place, Right Plan this morning from Pastor Jensen, understanding and knowing the will of God. I look forward to reading that book. He says, know the will of God. Again, we get wisdom. We know God's will from the Word of God. There are specific things that I can't go to a chapter and verse and say, this chapter and verse said go plant a new church in East Hall. That's not in there. There's not a chapter and verse that says, here's who you're going to marry. There's not a chapter and verse that says, here's the career path you ought to take. We take the principles of God's Word and our personal relationship with God, His Holy Spirit at work in our life, and that's how we discern what the will of God is for our life. And by the way, the will of God is never contrary to the Word of God. You got people say, God led me to do this. It's against the Word of God. God didn't lead you to do that. You had too much pizza last night. You're trying to fuel your own flesh or something. But the will of God is never contrary to the Word of God. Be careful how you live. People are watching. Be wise in your choices. Be careful with your time. Did you know that your time ain't really your time? It's God's time. Did you know that you have just as many hours in your day as the most influential CEO in America today? We all get 24 hours. That's all. We all have that. We've got to redeem the time, make wise choices of our time. Don't contribute. Don't give in to evil. The temptations are all around us. You can't, you can't turn on the TV for more than 10 or 15 minutes without the devil throwing some kind of temptation at you. So it's just best to keep the thing turned off most of the time, in my opinion. He says, don't contribute. Don't give in. Be wise. Seek the Lord's will in every situation. You know, patience is not my gift. You've probably already learned that about me. So I can run too fast ahead of the Lord like when Pastor Matt and I said, it'd be a great idea if we fed the whole community for Christmas. Let's have a community-wide... That's a, is that a great idea right there, to feed the whole... We got this big community center. We got space to do that. We'll advertise it. We'll talk about the vision of Transformation Church. Maybe God will send some people to our team. And then I got sick. And then he messed up his neck again. And then we realize, you know, somebody volunteered to cook the turkeys. And, he, and then he says, I can cook about three at a time. And then we look in here, we, you know, we don't, we don't have an oven in here. We have a warming oven. I thought, well, we'll just cater everything else. I, we couldn't cater. There's not enough. That was a great idea, but I, we didn't think it through. We didn't pray it through the will. Clearly, that was not the will of God. We were incapable of making that happen. We didn't have the warming ovens to keep everything warm. So we got to pray about everything before we jump. And I can jump too quick. Seek the Lord's will in everything. And if we're not properly focused in life on His Word and His will, that's when we get in trouble. God says, be careful. If you want to have a good new beginning, be careful of how you live. And most of the time, we're so worldly minded. We're bombarded with the world every single day. And He says, we're to come out from among them and be separate. Be holy as He is holy. And when He says to to not live like the world, not to be worldly minded, we're focused on worldly things and material things and getting our own needs met. And we miss the will of God. Isn't it it's kind of genius the way Satan just chips away slowly but surely, isn't it? He desensitizes us. You know, you think about when, when you were younger, the fact that a man could marry a man and a woman could marry a that was never even in the thought process. And slowly but surely, Satan has made us accepting of that. It just happens. There's nothing we can do about it. I mean, and listen, Jesus died for everybody. The blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses from all unrighteousness. We are to love all people, and we do love all people. But we get accepting of that. And so we've had to move beyond being accepting of something to now we've got to be accepting to drag queens coming into schools and reading books to our children. That's the world we live in now. Could Paul have comprehended the level of evil? We're so worldly-minded. Satan chips away and chips away. And, you know, they say that 
that true learning is not necessarily what you remember, but true learning is what you can never forget. There's some things in my life, some statements that have just leapt out that I can never forget. One of them, I was, I don't know what year I was. I was in college at the University of Georgia. My Sunday school teacher, his name was David, and he made this statement back in the 80s. He said, the only thing shocking today is that nothing is shocking. Well, we thought that was true in the 80s, but look at the world we live in today. Paul says, be careful. If we're going to have a new beginning, we don't need to accept all the junk of the world. Colossians chapter 3, he says this when he wrote to the church at Colossae. Paul did, since since you've been raised to new life with Christ, that new beginning, set your sights on the realities of heaven. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. This is temporary. Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. It's not about me. It's not about this world. It's about bringing God glory in this world because it's all about heaven. The best is yet to come. You know, it seems like more and more these days, we get these notices in the mail, at least at my house we have. For both of our vehicles, we get automobile recalls. They realize that something is not right with your car. There's one on my car now. I need to take it in. I've had it so long. And you remember what it is. But they find out there's a defect. So you've got to bring it back into the dealership and let them work on that. Maybe for a new beginning, we all need a recall. We all need to God to recall in our memory what was it like at that moment when we first trusted Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our life. What was it like when I first realized that my sins are forgiven and I've got a brand new slate. We need to go back to our manufacturer, God the Father who created us and let Him do a recall in our life and fix the junk in our life that will hinder us from having the best 2023 that we can have. I heard about a guy who worked for a computer company and he delivered things for the computer company and he pulls up to an alley and he's running late and needs to make a delivery and there's a sign at the end of the alley and it says this block do not proceed difficult to turn around you know what an alley is we even have alleys in Gainesville my hometown had alleys streets and avenues and alleys so the guy's like I'm in a hurry I can I can do this so he pulls down the alley to deliver the computer and sure enough a tree has fallen the alley is blocked there's hardly enough space to turn around he's got to back out but there's another sign when he gets to the tree after it said don't come this way the other sign said I told you so Isn't that like us? God's given us His Word and He's told us so. And God said, don't come this way. Don't do this. Don't participate in this. Don't think on these things. And we know what God said, but... Anytime somebody says, I know what God said, but... Take a few steps back just in case lightning strikes. There's no but to that statement. God said it and that settles it. We know what God said. And why does God give us His commands? Because He loves us. He wants His best for us. He doesn't want us to step into sin that's going to break His heart, but it's going to bring consequences on my life when I do that too. So God can give us a sign that says, I told you so. If I proceed when He says, don't go this way, I can become spiritually stuck, bring shame to Him and consequences to my own life. Be careful in the way you live. Use your time for the glory of God. Seek the Lord's will in everything you do. When you got to serve the Lord. Man, that's part of a church plant is volunteers, volunteers, volunteers. You can't have enough volunteers. You know, Pastor Matt, somebody else can bring the trailer sometimes. That person is out today. Pastor Matt goes to get the trailer and he finds there's a flat tire. 
And so here he is trying to get here to set up. And, and, and so then he's got to lead worship. But we, we're tempted to get kind of worked up over a mess like that. We need more and more and more volunteers. Jenny is out sick today. That's only have children's church for little kids today. We need a team. You know one of the reasons the Bulldogs are such a great team is Kirby Smart has developed a deep bench. If one goes out, somebody steps in. We're a church plant, you know. We're a church plant, so we, we not only need plenty of volunteers, we've got to have a deep bench because we live in the world of COVID. I don't guess it's going anywhere. You know, we've got to live with this. And when they say to quarantine, I guess you've got to quarantine. So not only do we need volunteers willing to serve the Lord, but we've got to have a deep bench and people to step in. When one goes down, we step right in. God wants us to be careful with our new beginning. Number two, write this down. God wants us to be spirit-filled. He wants us to be careful, and He wants us to be spirit-filled. Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. You know how you'll never be drunk? You don't need AA. You don't need all this stuff. Listen to me. I have a 100% cure for alcoholism. Never take a drink. If I'd never taken that first drink, I'd have never had that addiction in my life. If I'd have never had that first drink, I'd have never had to let God pull me out of that. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Now, we're talking about a new beginning. We're talking about honoring the Lord. He tells us in the first verses of Ephesians, watch out for all these things. And now he brings up alcohol. You know, again, I didn't think I would live long enough to see in my lifetime coming out of our Southern Baptist seminaries, we got preachers who are being taught it's okay to have a few drinks. I never thought I would live to see that from the... We wonder why the church is messed up because we're teaching preachers in seminary it's okay to have a drink. Can some people, quote-unquote, handle their liquor? Can some people, quote-unquote, handle a drink? I guess so. Not everybody who takes a drink gets drunk, but there are those of us. You're looking at one of them. I never had one drink in my life. I never had one drink that I just didn't get snot-flinging drunk. I don't know what it is about me, my makeup, a generational curse in my life because my granddaddy, my daddy's daddy was that way, and my daddy was that way. So maybe you can quote-unquote handle yours. But when the little Mike Duras of the world, when I was a young man and I saw people do that and I saw people get away, it says to me, okay, you can do that. Now we got preachers who are doing this. What, what do you think these children would think if they go out in a restaurant today and they see Pastor Mike and Pastor Matt taking a drink and they think it's okay, but they, they got the DNA makeup that I do and they can't handle that and they wrap their car around a tree and I got to look at a parent and explain why I taught their kids it's okay. Clearly in Scripture, don't be drunk with wine. It will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 23 and verse 29. Listen, I'm not scared of a lot of stuff, spiders and bugs. I'm not scared of that stuff. I'm not scared of much. You know, I'm scared of some deacons I've met, and I'm scared of snakes. Those are the two things that I'm scared of. You pull a snake in here, and I will tear through that concrete wall screaming like a middle school girl. I do not mess with the snake. Went to Florida to have Christmas with my, my wife's brother and sister-in-law and nephew. And he was telling us a story how recently, even at, we had cold weather here. They hadn't down there yet. There was a snake in the backyard and his dogs were barking at it. And my brother-in-law, and I still married into this family. When I'm dating Julie and I go to meet her parents for the first time, her brother's still living at home. Dude has a pet snake in there in a terrarium. I wanted to sleep outside or at the holiday. I don't do snakes. Ray said the dogs are barking, so he picks the snake up by the tail. The snake is terrified of the dogs, and he said, I'm not making this up. The snake jumped on the top of my head. And you'd have just had to call, put me in Sunnyside Cemetery because I'm dead at that point. I'm terrified of a snake. And he said, so I just stood still till the snake crawled. I'm having a heart attack listening to him tell the story. Can't imagine it touching me. A snake is deadly. 
You know, in the Garden of Eden, when God wanted to represent Satan, what did he do? It was a snake. Now, what does that have to do with alcohol? Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 29 says, Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who's always fighting? Who's always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? It is the one who spends long hours in the tavern trying out new drinks. And then he says, don't, don't gaze at the wine seeing how red it is, how good it looks in the cup, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down. Here's the snake, verse 32. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake. It stings like a viper. You'll see hallucinations and you will say crazy things. It is only the grace of God. I'm standing here as your pastor and I'm not in Sunnyside Cemetery Cordial from drinking and driving or in rehab somewhere or in prison. I deserve all of those things. But for the grace of God, I'm standing here. It bites like a serpent. It has bit me like a serpent. I've got scars, emotional scars, not physical scars, but other scars in my life because it bit me like a snake. I'm just telling there's nothing good to come out of it. There's just no reason for, for me to have a social drink. Why do people drink? I need a drink of water. So you tell me, why do you think people drink? So to fit, that was my first, it was just fitting in. That's why I drank, just to fit in. I got tired of sitting home by myself, you know, with nothing to do. All my friends were out partying, so I thought I'll just go be with them. I won't do what they do. But after that first drink, you know, the devil says, you made this promise to God you're never going to be like your daddy and granddaddy. Now you've had the first drink, so it doesn't matter. Just drink all you want. That's the lie of the devil, to fit in. What else do people drink? Cover up to drown their sorrows. It's a band-aid. Listen, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'll just be honest. I'm not going to lie to you. I had fun getting drunk. It, drank, it, it masked the pain in my life. I temporarily felt good. But when I laid my head on my pillow, and listen, I'd already professed Christ. I'm ashamed. Of, I'd already professed the Lord. The Holy Spirit of God ate my lunch. It is a temporary band-aid. The heart of the problem is the heart. So you can mask that with a drink or with food or with drugs or relationships or whatever. But the heart of the problem is the heart. It masks that pain. It fuels an addiction. And, and he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't be filled with two things at one time. This cup was filled up with water when I got here this morning. I've already had some of it to drink. It's filled up with water, so I can't put any coffee in it because it's already full. If I'm filled up with the Holy Spirit of God, there's no room in my life for anything else. There's no need in my life for anything else. I want to be so full of the Holy Spirit that the temptations of the devil don't appeal to me. I want to be so full of the Holy Spirit that if a mosquito bites me, he flies away singing, there's power in the blood. That's how close I want to be to the Lord. You're so full of the Holy Spirit that the cheap thrills of the world don't even appeal to us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, at the moment of your salvation, the Holy Spirit took over your life. We know that. It's not a second blessing. At the moment of your salvation, the Holy Spirit took over your life. But now, interesting thing about this language, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the original language, it is a present, active, continuous participle. What does that mean? Something you got to keep on doing. Salvation is one time. Every day of my life, I got to choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Present, active, continual. I got to say no to the desires of the flesh. I got to say no to my selfish desires. And I got to be Filled with the Holy Spirit every day, every hour, every minute, instead of being self-centered and indulging in alcohol or drugs or food or relationships and other things, I want to be so full, filled with the Holy Spirit that there's no room for any of that junk in my life. And we do that by keeping our sins confessed up. 
keep short accounts with God if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Go back for that recall from our manufacturer who give you a brand new start. I don't have to get saved all over again. I'm recommitting myself to the Lordship of Christ. I'm getting forgiveness of those things. So there's no sin hindering my life and then I hunger for the things of God. If you, if you search and try and buy and try everything man-made, it's not going to satisfy. Only Jesus satisfies. So we got to be careful how we live. We walk circumspectly. we got to be filled with the Spirit. And number three, God wants us to be thankful. They're all fools if you notice that. God wants us to be thankful. Ephesians 5, 19, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Music matters. Amen? Music matters, and he says psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. God is a God of variety. We probably all have some music that's like our favorite, what we really, really like. I'm one of those guys, you can't really peg me. You can't peg me when it comes to music. You know, I had somebody at a church I served, a dear man I love. He told me, he said, Mike, he just doesn't like Southern Gospel music. I grew up with Howard and Vestal and the Happy Goodmans and the Gospel Singing Jubilee. I love Southern Gospel music. And somebody else said, oh, he, he, he doesn't like the modern music. He just likes that. I love the modern music. If a dog barks, Jesus, give it a bone, okay? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Psalms are what made the Bible. Psalms are inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And so they sang those psalms from David and others. And then you got hymns. Hymns are things that just are straight directly to, directed at God to give God glory. And then spiritual songs. I had, I had a pastor one time who just kind of, kind of went off the deep end on some things. He would not allow any music in our church that was not directly, not directly straight to God. So in other words, we couldn't sing about heaven. We couldn't sing about it. Every song had to be about God. And he took it to the, even in a wedding. You couldn't have a Christian wedding song. The only songs allowed in our church in a wedding had to be straight to God. Well, that is a type of music. That's hymns. But he says spiritual songs. We sing about, it's okay to sing like Vestal. I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. It's okay to sing I want to stroll over heaven with you because those are all spiritual principles. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in our heart. So I can't be filled with the Holy Spirit if I'm filling my mind with garbage music that glorifies the very sins that put my Savior on the cross. Why would I want to listen to that when there's so much good Christian music? I don't know about you, but I struggle. I need all the help I can get to walk in the Spirit. So I need to listen to music constantly. I've got, I guess this is what happens when you get old. I don't like hearing the TV. It gets on my nerves. So we have Alexa. I didn't want Alexa in my house. My mother gave us an Alexa. I was afraid of it. I thought the government's going to listen on everything I do. But if you don't have anything to hide, it doesn't matter. So I got Alexa. I said, this morning I said, Alexa, play music by Zach Williams, a Christian singer. So listen to Zach Williams. Get that old church choir burning in my soul. So I, I need all the help I can get listening to psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And here's what happens if you do that. He says, make melody in your heart. So there's always a song in your heart. If I set my mind on his glory and I'm filled with music that honors him, I'm making choices that honor him, I'm keeping my sins confessed up, that's being spirit filled and that's going to make me thankful. Verse 20, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If I want to have the best new beginning in 2023 I can have, I'm going to be thankful, I'm going to be careful, I'm going to be spirit filled, I'm going to keep short accounts with God. I read this poll recently, Associated Press did a poll. Most people in 50s and 60s, and I'm 
50s, almost 60, most people admitted in those polls they're more rude now than they were in their 20s. I thought, well, why did they ask that question? Why did they ask that question? Why would people admit that question? And when I heard, I thought, God, I don't want to ever be a grumpy old man. You know, there are days when everything hurts. You know, my job is physical labor. I told them this week, I'll work every day this week. I need to work this week. We're off tomorrow, so I'm working every... I will hurt, but I got a chiropractor and I got ibuprofen. God, don't let me be a grumpy old man. You know, the longer I live, I shouldn't be more grumpy. The longer I live, I should sing with Howard and Vestal. I wouldn't take nothing from my journey now. The longer I live, the more answered prayers I've seen in my life. So I ought to be more thankful to people. I want to be a blessing to people. We ought to be people who give thanks to other people. You know, it, I mentioned this to you before. Uh, before Christmas, before Thanksgiving, on my hands and knees stocking, and this older lady about my age, she was an older lady, she said, she looks down at me, she says, Sir, thank you for working. And it just did something to me that she took the time to look at me, a gray-headed man on my hand, to thank me for working. And so I've tried to mimic that now. During COVID, if we went out to eat, finally my wife and I would always thank the servers. We tip more now than we ever have. We can't eat out as much, but we do because I appreciate them working. People don't want to work anymore. If somebody's working, be thankful. Show them some patience. Show them some kindness. They're, over, they're not enough servers in the restaurant. So whoever's working, they're overworked. Be thankful. Let's be thankful, people, to God and to other people. Being spirit-filled means that I'm motivated by His glory and I'm going to be more thankful and I'm not going to be rude and demanding. I'm going to realize that person that got my order wrong or that person who brought me cold food. I'm going to realize Jesus died for them too. Now we can ask for something to be corrected without being negative about it. Thank people for what they do. Tell people, say, people say, how are you doing? I'm blessed. Why are you blessed? I woke up in hell today. I woke up today and I wasn't in hell and I'm never going to hell. I am blessed. Does anything else matter more than that? Explain to people. Let's don't be rude and demanding to people, but how about to God? When's the last time we said thank you to the Lord? Maybe you didn't get everything you wanted for Christmas. Maybe your bills are not all paid. Maybe things are not all perfect in your family. Maybe all of your family wouldn't get together for Christmas because there's brokenness in the family. But yet, we still had another Christmas. We still had another year. Did we take the time to be thankful to the Lord and express our thanksgiving to Him? I mean, who's the one who sent His Son to die for my sins? God. Who's the only one who resurrected Himself by His own power so that my sins can be forgiven? That's Jesus. A little boy was saying the blessing over the family meal and he thanked God for the pancakes. And the mama just kind of looked and when he finished praying, she said, Son, we're having chicken. Why would you thank God for the pancakes? He said, I just want to see if God's paying attention. <laughs> you know what? God's paying attention. God's paying attention. If you don't believe God's paying attention, read the book of Numbers. You think that is so boring. It's just list after list of who begat who. What's the point? God pays attention. Nothing escapes God's notice. He notices when we pray and He notices when we don't pray. We ought to be thankful people in our prayers. We ought to, you know, sometimes we fall into the trap of like, it's like we're, I'm giving Santa Claus my wish list when we come to the Lord. No, let's praise Him. Let's adore Him. Let's thank Him for who He is. And when I'm thankful, I'm not going to complain. Do people complain because junk's going on in their life? Or is junk going on in their life because they complain all the time? I don't know which one come first, the chicken or the egg. You know, God had a lot to say about murmuring in the Old Testament. Murmur. I just murmured and complained. That word sounds like what it is. Murmur, murmur. Moses, you brought us out here. We missed the garlics and cucumbers and leeks in Egypt. Garlics and cucumbers? I don't want that on a good day. Well, they complained about the food. You brought us out here to die. You brought us out here to, to thirst to death. Murmuring and complaining. Complaining, what does it change? 
Nothing. I t- it, it will change something. It'll change the temperature around you. It'll bring the people around me down when I complain because I can complain just like the rest of us can. When we complain, it makes us miserable, makes people around us miserable. It's the exact opposite of what this says. Be thankful. If I want to have a good new beginning, I'm going to be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to be thankful. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 77, 3. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You focus on the negative and your spirit will be overwhelmed. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you will shine like stars in the universe. Walk circumspectly. People are watching. No matter how bad things are, we give praise to the Lord through it all. A positive, thankful person will shine like the stars in a dark world. Miss Alice, you shine like a star in a dark world. You always give praise to the Lord. Our light shines for the Lord, and people take notice of that. They see the world is so dark. You know, and it's funny, people will say, are you a preacher? Like, why did you say, I don't have the bouffant hair. What made you ask me if I'm a preacher? You know, if you're just nice to people in this, this dark culture, they'll assume all of you. They'll ask you if you're a preacher too. Just because you love the Lord doesn't mean you've got to be a preacher to love the Lord. But we live in such a dark world, it doesn't take much light to dispel that darkness. So anything, when I realize anything more than hell, that's what I deserve. That's God's abundant grace being poured out on me. I'll be a thankful person. Heard about a guy who called his daddy and said, Daddy, what's your New Year's resolution? He said, My New Year's resolution is to make your mama the happiest woman on earth. And he said, Mama, what's your New Year's resolution? She said, My resolution is to make sure your daddy keeps his resolution. You know, I think God, God wants us to keep our resolutions. God wants us to keep our promises. God wants us to live out that new beginning. God would like to see us not just have words, but to prove it by the way that we live. God knows His way is the only way to be blessed. Only I'm going to have joy in this life is walking with the Lord and doing things His way. If I want to have a blessed new year, I've got to be careful, I've got to be spirit-filled, and I've got to be thankful. So what steps do you need to truly take On this first day, it's January the 1st, the first day of a brand new year, what steps do you need to take to have a new beginning? We all want a new beginning. We all want to start over and do our best for the Lord. Maybe for for you here or listening on the World Wide Web later, it's salvation. If you're unsure of your relationship with the Lord, has there ever been a time in your life when you realized you're not perfect, but God sent His perfect, sinless, virgin-born Son to live a perfect life for 33 years, to be the sacrifice on that old rugged cross for my sins and for yours. And He says, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised Him from the dead, we can be saved. Have you ever been saved? Do you know for sure that your sins are forgiven? That's step one. You'll never have a new beginning. You'll never have a blessed life apart from Jesus. Or maybe we talked earlier about having a recall. Maybe you need to go back to the manufacturer on that recall and let him make those fine-tuned adjustments in your life, whatever it needs to be for you to have the best year you can have. Maybe it's to stop blaming somebody else for our problems. Maybe it's to stop making excuses for why we are the way we are. Stop being prideful where we are. Whatever God tells us to do, let's make those adjustments today. And maybe within the providence of God, He's calling you, hey, you ought to join Transformation Church. You ought to be a part of that church family. We'd love to talk to you about that, signing on the dotted line and becoming an official part of our church. We are the family of God. We've taken these, not just Pastor Matt and I have taken sacrifices, but you've made sacrifices. You could be sitting at some mega, some of the best churches in the state of Georgia today, but you made the sacrifice to come here today. 
We didn't have some, you could be at a church where you went to Sunday school today. We're not able to offer that yet. You've made sacrifices to be here. Many of you made financial sacrifices. Friends of mine around the state of Georgia and other places have made financial sacrifices. I think that was not, 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 not for um, naught. I believe these sacrifices are investments in the future of what God wants to do in this part of the community that has felt for decades like East Hall has been neglected. We believe God's going to do something big in East Hall and beyond. He's going to honor your sacrifice. He's going to honor our new beginnings. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for anyone here today or anyone listening on the World Wide Web that's unsure of their relationship with you. I'm so thankful that you made salvation so simple that you said unless we come like a child, we can't even be saved. We've got to have that childlike faith. God, I pray for the person unsure of their salvation today, that they'd repent of their sins, they'd come to you, they'd ask you to forgive them and adopt them into your family. Lord, for anybody that needs that fine-tuning, that repentance, that recall, Lord, help us to do that today, to let you wipe the slate clean. You've told us if we confess our sins, we've got to do our part. Then you said you'll be faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness every single time. God, thank you for that blanket promise from your word. Lord, for others that you're speaking in the heart about how they can serve you here, how they can get involved, what ministry they want to be a part of at Transformation Church. Lord, I pray you'll send us all the labors we need before our launch in February. Not only, God, I pray that you fill every slot, but Lord, give us a deep bench. Lord, give us people who are ready to step in when one goes down. Because we believe, God, we believe that you're going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we could ever ask or imagine. Just like you did in that group of people 75 years ago in Warner Robins, Georgia, in a brand new Air Force town. They stepped out in faith and trusted you to do big things. And Lord, we see what you've done over the last 75 years. My wife and I, my children who came to know you as their savior there, a result of that group of people trusted you to plant a church. God, honor the faithfulness of these your people here. In this time of invitation, help us to respond however you want us to respond. In the name of your son Jesus, we pray. Amen.